just a couple of things that I want to share with you before you have an opportunity to share a few things with me, I hope, today. As we go through our school year, it's going to be my joy and my opportunity to share with you on Mondays as a, as a regular chapel time. And um, that's going to be my time to teach the Word of God to you, and I'm really excited and encouraged in my heart to have that opportunity, and I hope you will be as well. I think that'll be a very important time for us as we really get a grip on what God wants to do in our midst and uh, get our focus. And we'll keep doing that all the way through the school year on Monday. And there'll be some times during the week and other times I might be speaking and some Mondays I might not. But as a rule, I'll be with you on Monday and I'm looking forward to that greatly. A couple of things to remind you about. There's usually a speech given at the beginning of the year about the traffic in the street out here. And we don't want anybody going early to heaven. So uh, I want to warn you, Dr. Duncan says he has a standard speech about when you walk on the street, always face the traffic. Um, is that right? <laughs> so um, you, you have to realize that people, there may be a period when there's a lull in the traffic, but you have to realize that there are going to be times when people come racing through this canyon and uh, are not going to be used to seeing this volume of people here. You need to be alert. It's very important. I know um, some years ago there was a student who was killed in the, in the street out here and another one who was severely injured. And that's been about 15 years ago maybe, but we don't want that to happen. So be very, very cautious. Now you notice this morning we had a couple of highway patrol guys out there. It so happens that the local highway patrol leadership goes to Grace Community Church, so they're under my authority. And uh, <laughs> whenever... Whenever we need any help, we get it in spades, as you can see. And there were a lot of terrorized residents who came to a screeching halt when they saw all these police cars and uh, brandishing their guns and, and battle axes and all that. So we're going to try to give a high profile of police concern in the community so that they're, they're aware of that. We're even going to do some things to, to get a, a cross, kind of an overpass so you can walk across. It'll give you a little exercise, too, because we don't want to lose anybody in the street. So be very, very cautious and walk. If you walk in the street at all, walk against the traffic so you can see what's coming. Uh, we just want you to be careful. Another thing is to remember that we're in a very interesting situation in this community. Um, this is not a, a county road in, in the technical sense. It belongs to the homeowners in this area. And these homeowners are very protective of this area. Uh, oak trees in this area are, are very, very, um, what should I say, protected? Um, this, this California Oak Canyon is a very precious commodity to the state of California because it's sort of the, uh, the last of a dying breed, I guess. And the owners of the homes in here really do have a great concern about the whole canyon. As a result of that and the fact that it's really their road, we want to do all we can to maintain a very good reputation with the homeowners. So, you know, don't you know, raid their backyard and pick the oranges or whatever. I mean, just really maintain a good edit because what's going to happen is when this campus begins to grow and develop and more students begin to come, we want these people our friends. We don't want them lobbying against what we want to do in terms of development expansion. So it's very important. In fact, you can bake cookies and take them and pass them out along the street if you want. Uh, do anything. Pray for the neighbors. <laughs> Uh, volunteer to clean their driveway, mow their lawn, anything you want to do to be a positive influence, uh, you can even go along and share the love of Christ with them. That would be a great thing to do, too. 
But we do want to maintain a very, very wholesome attitude in the part of the community toward us because the future is exciting for us and, uh, and we want them to be on our side. I want also to personally welcome all of those of you who are here, faculty, staff, uh, administration, and students. We really have kind of had a formal welcome, and even more than that, with our new students, you who have been a part of WOW Week. Um, put your hand up if you've been here for WOW Week, so I can get an idea. Great. So, you know, most of you have been welcomed over and over again. You've gotten involved. You're up to speed. You know what's going on. You've gotten kind of enthused about everything that's happening. But I want to personally say a word of welcome to the returning students, those of you who are coming back who've kind of gotten left out of this whole... Uh, <laughs> this whole thing and uh, we, we want you to know that you're the you know you're the upper crust around here you're the you're the key people you've got the sense of history you've been here before you got a little territorial right uh, to what's happening around here we want you to know we love you we thank God for you we thank the Lord you're back and I just I have the confidence in my heart that those of you who are returning are really going to take a real role of leadership here with our new students uh, they come from all over the place with a lot of expectations, and they're going to look to you to find out all the things they don't know. And uh, it's going to be how you evaluate the campus. Uh, it's going to be how you evaluate the teachers, the professors, the, the stuff that goes on around here that's really going to help to shape them. And so I'm confident that you're going to be a real plus, and your excitement and enthusiasm for what God is doing here is going to be communicated to them. So uh, welcome back to the returning students, and we praise the Lord for bringing you back to us. We're very, very excited. We have some more returning students, I understand, that are going to be uh, registering today, and we have a tremendous group coming back. We're very, very excited about that. I want to take a moment just to get acquainted. We don't have a lot of time, but I thought it'd be kind of fun this morning. I'm not going to give you a message or speak to you, but I would like to hear from you a little bit today because we're all kind of new. And we need to get acquainted a bit. Um, what I'd like to find out is, um, do we have some people who are here from, uh, let's see, let's see who might be here from the farthest state away. Anybody here from, let's say, Alaska? Anybody here from Alaska? Stand up if you're from Alaska. Four people? Okay. Now, wait a minute. Everybody, how many people from Alaska? Come down to the microphone if you're from Alaska. Come right down to the, the side microphone here. Faster. All of you. All of you Alaskans. Come on. Tell us your name, what city you're from, and why you came. Right to that microphone right over there. You walked right past. There you go. Okay. Just get right behind that microphone. I just face it. Just come right around. That's good. Turn it. Sure. Tell us your name and what city and why you came. I'm Steve Gervin from Anchorage, and I came to for a good Christian education and to grow in the Lord and someday be a coach. Well, great, Steve. God bless you. That's terrific. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm from Sterling, Alaska, which is about 150 miles south of Sterling. And the reason why I came is because I really caught on to the enthusiasm for the Lord here. Amen. God bless you. Great. Okay. I'm Tony Whitehurst, and I'm from Anchorage, Alaska, and I came to just be in the Word more and learn more about God. And what's your name? Tony. Tony? Whitehurst. Great. God bless you. We're glad to have you here. Okay, hold your applause so we don't miss their names now. I'm Lynn Eldridge from Minana, Alaska. That's about 60 miles south of Fairbanks. 
And the reason I came here was because I knew for sure that this is where God wanted me to go. I was going to Biola about two months ago. I was going to Biola for sure. And God changed my heart by the influence of the staff here. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, my name is Cynthia Morgan, and I'm from Anchorage, Alaska, and my story is the exact same as mine. Is that right? Uh, well, I was planning on going to Biola, too, and um, I came down here for a visit, and the Lord just really changed my mind, even mm. though I didn't like the bare hills and the... Uh, it's the a kind of a change from Alaska, isn't it? Yes. But the Holy Spirit shows up on this campus in the form of Don Gilmore all the time, see? Hey, thank you very much. Great. Well, let's see. Uh, do we have anybody from Maine? Anybody? That's a minute. Do we have anybody from Maine? Come on down here. I mean, that's about as far away as you can get. That's the other corner. Okay. Just one person from Maine. Okay. How about anybody from uh, any Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts? Come on. Okay. Great. <laughs> Tell us your name. My name is Scott Pierce. I'm from Maine, just outside of Portland. Portland? Portland. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody loves my accent. <laughs> yeah, I came here because of John MacArthur. I was really excited about him becoming president. And our pastor's always been a big fan of his. So. Hey, good. May God increase his tribe. <laughs> That's good, Scott. My name is Jim Spencer. I'm from Rochester, New Hampshire. And I came for a good foundation in Bible. God bless you, Jim. Great to have him, isn't it? Well, let's, uh, let's go to the other corner. Is there anybody here from Florida? Come on. Well, come on. Tell us. Sure. Okay. My name is Tracy Wimburn, and I'm from Lakeland, Florida, and that's halfway in between Tampa and Orlando. And I'm here on a music scholarship, but um, I never heard of this school until last year at the conference. I met Mr. Plew and um, found out about the school, and I enjoyed my first year, and I'm excited about the years to come. Hey, and thank you for going to Brazil. That's super. That's great. Hey, my name's Matthew. Whoa. My name is Matthew Wilson, and I'm from Tampa, Florida. And I wanted to grow closer to my Lord Jesus Christ, the one who gave my life meaning. And I wanted the greatest school in the world, and I believe I found it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's good. My name is uh, Michael Adcock, and I'm from Bradenton, Florida. Uh, but I've been going to school in New York now for two years at the Word of Life Bible Institute and School of Youth Ministries. And uh, our president and founder... Jack Wurtson uh, recommended to me that if you want to go to a place to where uh, a man is producing pastors inter interested in doing that, then you should come to the Master's College. And Dr. MacArthur was just up at Word of Life a few, about a month or so ago, and he was teaching. And I was on my way to Liberty University. And, uh, and Lynch Boy, that would have been a big mistake. <laughs> really. <laughs> There in Lynchburg, Virginia, and so the Lord opened up this avenue to me, and I feel like I could have been in the Lord's will either way, and I chose this place because 
as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, I feel the same way about Dr. MacArthur. Well, thank you. Put a little pressure on me, brother. Okay. My name is Betty Millard, and I'm from Orlando, Florida. And everybody at home is really envious of my being able to come here. And I wanted to come here because I knew that if you were the president of the school, this is probably a really good school. (laughs) Glad to have you. Thank you for that. That's great. Well, I want to say hi to everyone. First of all, it's great to be here. My name is Danelle Thomasella, and I'm from the Boston area. And um, I attended Lagos in 83-84. And when I went back home, I was undecided about what I wanted to do. I wanted to go either into the area of journalism or teaching. I needed a general ed. I needed general ed courses. And back east, it's very expensive to get those courses. But primarily, when I heard about the merge of Lagos Bible Institute and LABC and then Master's College and then the President, I knew pretty much what I was in for and it was really good education as far as general ed with a thread through it of strong biblical foundation. So I'm glad to be out here. Hey, we're glad to have you too. God bless you. Do, Do we have anybody else that's from the East Coast somewhere? Dwayne, and you're from you're from the Bronx, the Bronx, New York. How's your leg? You ready to go? Dwayne's on the basketball team. Last year he had a knee surgery. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to find out if there's anybody from outside the continental United States here. Anybody from outside the continental United States? Come on, right down here now. If you're outside the continental United States. Come on. <laughs> Great. All right, you fellows wait and we'll have the ladies first, okay? Tell us your name and where you're from and what brought you. My name is Sylvie Cadorette. I'm from Montreal. Say that again. Sylvie Cadorette. Sylvia? Sylvie. Sylvie. I'm French-Canadian. Sure. (laughs) I'm here to learn about the word and to grow and to get back in Montreal and influence people because there's a lot of baby Christian and no Christian too. That needs to be influenced. Amen. God bless you. Sir. Hey, I have to, I have to just tell you briefly a little bit about Sylvia. I preached at her church, a Hunsik church in Montreal this summer. Um, in the last 50 years, of course, you realize that there's been a transformation in, in Quebec. Quebec is basically French Canadian. The basic language is French. Um, the, the country or the state or the province, I should say, of Quebec was basically Catholic, I mean, to the core. Protestant missionaries had very little inroads. About 15 or 20 years ago, there was a tremendous transformation. Up until then, you could go back into the 50s, and they were putting Protestant missionaries in jail in Quebec for preaching the gospel. Then the Lord began to give birth to the French church, 
And at this particular point, the, the French church in Quebec is expanding, adding maybe a church a week. It's just exploding. And what happens is they're so young in Christ, as Sylvie said, that, they, that if you're five years old in the Lord and you're a man, you're probably the pastor. And the pastors haven't had any training, so I have to go up there periodically. I fly up there. I'll be going up there in about four weeks. I go up there periodically during the year and spend several days training their pastors. Now, I went up there. The last time I was up, we had five days, and we went 11 hours a day for five days, just pouring into them stuff to equip them for ministry. And now I'm going back. We're going to do two days of 11 hours of expository preaching. But the Lord is growing a church so fast in Quebec that it can't even keep up with its own growth. And we're hoping that many more young people will come from Montreal down here to be trained to go back to have an influence in their in their fast growing church. So uh, Sylvie is really, a, a, in a sense, a, a missionary ambassador for the growing French Canadian church in Quebec. OK. My name is Eleanor Tarrant, and I come from the island of um, Pango Pango, American Samoa. And I knew that when, while I was in high school that I wanted to go to a good, strong Christian college, but I didn't know which one. And my school counselors, they helped me to look up some colleges, and the Master's College came into um, focus. And I wasn't really sure because it was so far away from home, so many miles. And I'd just like to thank the staff and especially Mr. Don Gilmore because he um, just kept getting um, enthusiasm me and uh, um, just sending letters and I'm sure he um, placed within my heart that um, God really wanted me to come here and when I did get here I knew that this was a place that I you know wanted to be that where I would find a good strong foundation with Jesus Christ and I'm glad I'm here stay there just a minute isn't that wonderful let's you know welcome her yeah. um, how, how many miles is it to Samoa? Um, it's about 6,000 miles. And Samoa would be how far from the Philippines or Australia? Or? I'm not really sure, but it's about five to six hours south of Hawaii. Five or six hours south of Hawaii. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Very um, I'm all the way from Nassau, Bahamas. And hi, Don. <laughs> he's um the reason why I said that was every time he called me the first his first words were how's the weather Melanie and I'd be like oh this is Don again it has to be well um, I'm very happy to be here and I know that it is God's will for me to be here I was first of all when I was home I was like I'm looking for a college and I said I can't go to Florida because my mother can swim there if she needs me when, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, my cousins are over here, so they told me, well, if you don't want your mother to swim to, you can just fly over to California. And I'm better known as the Bahama Mama. <laughs> and I want you to know that I'm really happy to be here, and I'm looking forward to an exciting five years. Thank you, Melody. Oh, man. We ought to let Melanie set the dress code. That's terrific. That is really terrific. <laughs> Great. Yeah, 
My name is Wansik Lee, and I'm from Seoul, Korea. And I used to go to school, Middle Tennessee State University, for a couple of years, last couple of years. And the reason I came here is, well, I, I just got on the plane uh, the day before yesterday. That was 20, 28th in back in Seoul. There's the 18 hours time difference, and I just got here yesterday about two o'clock in the afternoon. And, I didn't have a ride at the LA airport, and somebody took me over here, so I'm here. <laughs> hey, great. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Great. And my very good friend and my father's very good friend, maybe some of you know Billy Kim. He's pastor back in Korea, and I think he went to school with... Dr. He did. He went to school with me. And he told me about this school, and... I wasn't sure I was going to come here, but first time I visit this school, the Dr. Provost family and Don Gilmore and every faculty staff helped me a lot to decide to come here, so I'm here. Hey, great. <laughs> well, my name is Mutilangi. That's the way I like to be called anyway. Say that again. Mutilangi. Okay. You can cut the mu and say the langi. It's easy. I'm from Kenya, Nairobi. 13,000 miles from here. That's neat, is it? <laughs> I could have been the first to be caught because I'm from the farthest anyway, but it goes that way. That's right. Anyway, I, I'm from a Christian family right from the old stream. I came here about four years ago. I wanted to go to a public school. I tried it for about a year, but I, oh, I didn't belong there because of, you know, the Christians and non-Christians the way they do. Then I had rough time to start shopping around and see really where I belong. Good enough, a friend of mine introduced me to LABC. It's not a surprise they belong here, and I'm glad to be here. Over the summer, I was in. I went home in Kenya. And it was so interesting that I told my parents what a change I had, what I'm getting from LABC. And they told me, when you go there, tell the Christians there, we all support them and we believe in Christianity. And we all belong in one place. That's Christianity. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you. God bless you. Um, let's see, that is the furthest, isn't it? Farthest. 10,000 miles. What an exciting thing. Does anybody else want to share a brief word of testimony about what brought you here? Maybe you have something that's on your heart you want to share? Come up to the microphone and introduce yourself. I know that's kind of a cold turkey thing. Good. And just tell us maybe what it was that allowed the Lord to bring you and turn your heart toward the, the Master's College. Tell us your name first. Great. This is kind of a cold turkey thing. <laughs> um, I really never knew I was, oh, my name's Mark Vasquez. And I really never knew I was coming to this college. Um, one day about last month, I was driving west down Placerita Canyon. And thank God for left-hand turns, I made a left into the parking lot of Placerita Baptist College, which is now Master's College. And I went in there and I talked to a guy named Don Gilmore. <laughs> I'm kind of scared right now. This is different for me to do. 
And uh, he talked to me a little bit, and he shared some few things, and I had a few ideas of classes I wanted to take here. And, and um, I was going to take a couple classes here, and I was really stoked on it, you know, taking a couple classes at a Christian college. There's going to be some really good people here I can have fellowship with and everything. And as it turned out, a couple days ago, I came in here, and I talked to Don Gilmore a little bit longer, and I went to another office with my father and talked with Steve Dixon, really nice man. And it turns out I'm going to be taking, I'm going to be going full-time college now. I'm taking five, six classes, and you're going to see me around probably. <laughs> um, I like to bother people and um, ask a lot of questions. So the people who have been here for many years, you can count on me asking you some questions. That's how you learn. And um, I don't, I'm not too sure how it's going to work out, me being here, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And the most important thing to me in my life is Jesus Christ. And I've known that for many years, and it's taken a long time for me to realize that. And I just hope that this is going to be my place to, to make that start. And um, I just thank you all for listening to me. <laughs> hey, thank you. Did you, did you hear what he was saying, what he didn't say, but what he really was saying? What he was really saying was he's known what he ought to be as a Christian for a long time. The Lord, through some very unique circumstances, is bringing him to the place where that commitment can come to life. And uh, that's exciting. Um, how, do we have anybody here who's uh, just come to know Jesus Christ in the last year? New Christian. You've just become a Christian in the last year. I just baptized you in the last month. That's right. What's your name? Donna. Donna, you've been a Christian a few months? Seven months. Glad you're here? Sure am. God bless you. Anybody else that's just been a Christian for a brief time? Give us your name. Tell us how long. Ten or eleven months. Boy, this is going to be a great introduction to the Christian life. Terrific. Jeff Jordan, since June 22nd, 1985. Where was it? Strewn Lake, New York. Word of life. That's where I met Jeff. That's great. Welcome, Jeff. I remember your dad said to me when I visited you up in Lansing, he said, uh, I don't know all the things I'm going to do in the future, but one thing for sure I'm going to do is every summer I'm going back to Word of Life. The Lord really worked in their family in a wonderful way up there. Great. Anybody else been a Christian for just a brief time? Yes. Sylvie, only 10 months. See, that's typical of the French Canadian church. They're such young Christians, but excited and eager to grow. And what a tremendous thing. Anybody else? I just want you to know who the folks are we need to give special love and attention to. Anybody else? Yes. Great. God bless you, Don. Super. Welcome to the family. Anybody else that we're missing? I don't move around if I miss you. Okay, let me just close our chapel time in the next couple of minutes. Um, and it's kind of great to get acquainted with everybody, and we'll keep doing that. By saying that the Lord has really done some marvelous things this summer here. I, I can't chronologue all of them. In fact, they were coming in such rapid-fire succession, I'm not sure we even could identify everything he was doing. But I do remember one incident, and uh, Russ 
suggested that I might share it with you. One night, the, the college was out of money, which is not a new thing. Um, but, but at this particular point, we were not only out of money, but we were out of credit. And so we were at the proverbial end of the rope. And the faculty was meeting at Mr. Provost's house to pray. And uh, they were having a very intense prayer meeting and praying that God would somehow provide the money so they could pay the faculty and keep the place alive. And we, we knew that once you came, that we would have some money because you'd pay and we'd be able to get started. And we, we hope you will, uh, if you want to eat. Um, but anyway, uh, so they were praying frantically. And at the very same time, the elders at Grace Church were meeting and uh, I didn't introduce this or prompt this at all, but the Lord laid it on their heart to provide all the money that the college needed for that period of time, right at the very time the faculty and staff were praying. So God has really shown himself powerful and faithful. It's been uh, marvelous to see God work um, many, many, many ways. Um, we, we had a great need for a painter, and the Lord gave us John Cummings, who is uh, sort of swapping his room and board for us, painting... I think, and uh, everybody we needed, God seemed to give us. We needed a man to do carpentry and woodwork, and the Lord has given us a man and his wife who are retired who are going to be here for this year, and uh, we may even put our clutches on them and hold them for good. But uh, everything we've needed, God has supplied, and it's it's been, for me, uh, a confirming evidence of the Spirit of God moving in direct answer to our prayers. Uh, one thing I do want to mention in particular is in reference to uh, Coach Reese. We have had a desperate need for someone to oversee the whole operation of the plant and the facilities. And we knew in our hearts that the right guy, at least as we saw it, was, was Coach Reese. And when we went to see him about that, Bob Provost talked to him about that, and the Spirit of God, through his own prayers and consideration, put it on his heart, we were thrilled. And I can't tell you how excited I am to know that he has the oversight of all of our campus facilities. And we're really, really excited about that. That's a tremendous ministry that uh, is going to meet a great need. So God has, at each point along the way, met the need. And I believe the future is really exciting. As I might have mentioned last night, we're looking ahead. We, we can have another hundred students, I suppose, come in the second semester and... Uh, uh, we've had hundreds and hundreds of students saying they want to come in the fall. So God is beginning to do some great things in our midst, and and uh, we're going to see his spirit move this year. You're going to be a part of something that is really exciting, where God is going to be at work. And it's something that you can count as a real privilege to share in, and I know you do. So pray with us, will you? Somewhere in your schedule every day, as you spend your time with the Lord in the morning, as you spend a little time with the Lord in the evening of each day, remember to pray for the leadership of the college and pray for the college in general, okay? Because God is going to work in our fellowship. We don't want to take anything for granted. We always want to reach out to Him and, and seek His face. So make that a part of your daily life, to pray for us. And you'll find here that there's going to be a great amount of opportunity for you to grow spiritually, to interchange and interact with some people the Lord is working with, and it should be a sharpening process all the way through for all of us. We're very, very blessed to have each other. And I also want to emphasize, too, that you need to look at this as your family. I know a lot of you are away from home and you, things are different, but this is going to be your family, and you need to cultivate those loving and ongoing relationships that would honor the Lord as a family and would enrich your life. And I know that will happen. Let's stand for a word of prayer.
Thank you, Father, for a great beginning. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for every precious person a part of this college family, from administration and faculty and staff through the students. car went over, the door acted as a right-angle brace to keep the car from rolling again. So I was exited, and the car door was like this, holding the car, and it began to spin on its lid. Of course, all the luggage and things were on the top for six kids. So uh, it was grinding all this luggage in and spinning like this beside me just a few feet away, and it began to spin off. And I didn't. I, stay, I even stayed in my own lane, you know, just as perfectly as you could, you know, down the... Finally, I decided to try to stop, and it's very difficult to know how to stop. I mean, basically, so I put my hands down, and I have some scars. You can see them on my hands for where I got third-degree burns and then gouged up my palms, third-degree friction burns. And immediately after I stopped sliding, I was still totally conscious. In fact, I did not have one broken bone in my body at 115 yards at 75 miles an hour. Um, I stood right up, still conscious, walked right off the highway. I mean, I didn't want to get in an accident, you know. So I walked off the highway, and I stood on the side of the highway, totally conscious, and this is exactly what I heard in my mind. I, I just kept hearing, ringing in my head, the Lord did this to you. The Lord did this, did this to you. And I knew that. And I knew that it was my failure to put the Lord in the middle of my life and my plans that had brought him to the place where he brought me through that. And I stood on that highway near a little town called Utah, E-A-U-T-A-W, in Alabama, and I said, Lord Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I can't play like this. you got too much advantage. If you're going to get tough, I give. And it was on that highway after my freshman year in college that I committed my life to Christ. I had been a Christian, but it was there that I came to grips with what it meant to be to have to say, I don't know about tomorrow. I can't make a plan for tomorrow because I may never have a tomorrow. And for whatever tomorrow I do have, I want to be in the place of God's will. And as he says in the last verse in that chapter, if you know to do that, which is the good thing to do and you don't do it, it's what? It's sin. And I said, I, I belong to you. Five kids came crawling out of that car, out of the ditch. Not one had a scratch. Not a scratch, just me. Sixty-four square inches of my back was removed a half inch deep and replanted with asphalt. I had to hitchhike 100 miles to get to a hospital. They put me in the hospital. They laid big furosin strips in there, and after they'd scrubbed my back out with brushes, they didn't give me an anesthetic because there were no vacant beds. I went into unconsciousness. They put me on an airplane, shipped me to California, had three months in bed. And during those three months, I remember I had a little New Testament, and I read that little New Testament, and I came to grips with what God had wanted in my life, and that's where the Lord really got a hold of my life for the ministry. A life-changing experience. I felt I owed the Lord another year at that school just to get it right once. So I went back for another year, and it was a different year, a better year, and God used that year to make some lifelong friends and to profit me in many ways. Then I transferred schools, and I had the privilege of seeing in my life all the things I'd ever wanted to do come to pass. I was able to play football, basketball, and baseball to, to have the opportunity even to, uh, to be in the draft, the football draft, and things like that. And Everything I'd ever dreamed of as an athlete. And the Lord laid a verse upon my heart out of the Psalms which says, If you delight in the Lord, He'll give you the desire of your heart. And I had 
once I had put the Lord in the rightful place, then everything began to happen right in my life. After my senior year, after I'd finished playing football, I was contacted by one of the local service clubs in the city of Los Angeles because I won some award as player of the week. And, and they wanted me to come and talk to this, I think it was the Kiwanis or something, and I had to go talk to them about this you know, honor of being player of the week. I went to talk to the Kiwanis Club, and all I wanted to talk about was Christ, and they were kind of shocked. But I gave a testimony about Jesus Christ to these guys. Well, as a result of that, somebody said to me, you need to go talk to a girl in the hospital. So I said, all right, where is she? She's at the Glendale Adventist Hospital, which is the hospital uh, over in Glendale. By the way, all my four children were born there, and three of my sisters were born there, so it's an old standard hospital. But anyway, I went to the hospital, and I met this girl named Polly Greider was her name. She was lying on a sheepskin because she was paralyzed from the chin down. She was head cheerleader at Thousand Oaks High School. Her boyfriend had shot her through the neck. Right here, severed her spinal cord in half. And she was a total quadriplegic. And this person had said to me, you know, we don't know how to help her, but maybe you, from your knowledge of God, and this guy said, might be able to help her. And I went into that hospital, and I mean, here I am, nothing but your, your typical college athlete trying to get my own spiritual feet on the ground, and I've got a responsibility to try to give some answer to this girl who's, who's a quadriplegic because her boyfriend shot her through the neck. So all I could do was tell her what Christ did in my life, and I said to her, she said to me, if I could kill myself, I would, but I can't. I wish I were dead. And I began to talk to her about the fact that it isn't what happens to you physically. Fear not those who destroy the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, Jesus said. It isn't what happens to you physically is the issue. It's what happens to you spiritually, right? So I shared Christ with her, and I asked her if she wanted to receive Christ, and she said, at this particular point, I don't have any other choice. She opened her heart to Christ and was wonderfully converted. A couple of days later, I came back, as I did often, to see her, and she said, I want to tell you something, John. She said, I'm glad this accident happened, because if it hadn't happened, I never would have met Jesus Christ. That's an awesome statement. I've never forgotten that statement. I can see the scene in the hospital. I can see her lying on the bed. I can see myself standing there. Those words went into my head like, like uh, they were written in soft clay. I'm glad this happened, or maybe I never would have met Jesus Christ. It's incredible. I went out of there saying that's what life's all about. Forget the other stuff. Forget running around on a piece of uh, a green field with a pig under your arm or a piece of a pig. Forget all the hurrahs. I mean, forget that stuff. This is what matters for me. And that was as if it was the call of God right out of heaven. And he planted in my heart such a deep desire to give the word of God to people and the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That that little incident in that hospital was a very, very important part of my shaping. By the way, God was gracious to her. She followed on in her faith in Christ, married a wonderful man who took her on as his wife. And um, she scoots around in an electric wheelchair, and God has been gracious to her. But that was a life-changing thing for me. By God's grace, by his mercy, then I went on to seminary. And now there was a whole new direction in my life. And I, I went on because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. I didn't know much, and the first few sermons I preached were terrible. I mean, they were a minus five on a scale of one to ten. They were really bad. I'm not even going to tell you what the outlines were. Bad stuff. 
But I knew where my heart was. And so my dad took me to Talbot Seminary, and there was a guy there by the name of Dr. Charles Feinberg. Now, he knew about, oh, I think, 30 languages. I remember one time he wanted to learn Dutch, so he took two weeks and learned it. And so he could read a Dutch theology that he was interested in. But he was, he was too smart. I mean, I don't know how he kept it all inside of, the, of his skin, you know. It was just incredible. And he had a great passion for the Word of God. And my father said to him, well, can you teach my son to be a Bible expositor? He said, well... We can try. <laughs> and so I spent that first year trying to learn from him. And I'll never forget my first day in class. Never. This, everybody's in awe of this guy. He studied 14 years to be a rabbi, you know, and he's got all this Jewish background. And then Dr. Lewis Perry Chafer, the first president of Dallas Seminary, said he was the only student who ever came to Dallas who knew more when he got there than he did when he left. I don't know what that means, but uh, it's an interesting statement. But anyway... First thing that happened in class is one guy named Merville. Now, you're in trouble to start with if your name is Merville. But anyway, and it turned out later in his second year that Merville dropped out because he said, I cannot think and talk at the same time, which is a problem. Anyway, so Merville raised his hand. He was in over his head, right? And Merville asked a question that had just been asked by someone else and answered. And Dr. Feinberg sliced up Merville with a little statement. If you cannot listen and ask more intelligent questions than that, please do not take my time, the classes, and the Lord's. I don't think anybody ever asked another question in that class. I mean, I was in awe of the situation. But I grew to love the man and to get a personal opportunity to be his friend and through those years, he became a personal mentor to me. At the end of that year, it was a very confirming thing. At the end of my first year of seminary, there was a there was a wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns by the name of Paul Warfield, who later on went to play for the Miami Dolphins and now I think is in a broadcasting career. Somebody, some of you may remember his name. But anyway, Paul Warfield broke his collarbone in, in summer, getting ready for the season, and so when they hit the computer in Cleveland, I don't know what happened, but my name came up, and they had gone back through the available people, and I was a receiver and a punter and stuff like that. So I got this call. My coach calls me from the college, and he says, hey, he says, uh, they want to send you airfare. They want to fly you back. They want to give you a, a tryout. They need a, a receiver. What are you going to do? And I want you to know that uh, for, for a young man who had dreamed about that, for all his life, up until a certain point, that was, uh, I had been to the Washington Redskins training camp as a junior when they were kind of interested in talking to me about the next season and so forth. But this was a real opportunity. And I, I want you to know that God had so put his hand on my life that when that happened, I immediately, without even thinking, said, tell him I'm not interested. I can't do that. Because God's called me to teach and preach his word. I just want you to know that that's why I'm here now, okay? And I just want you to have a little bit of a feel for the pilgrimage. In my, in my last year of seminary, the Lord brought my wife into my life, Patricia, and um, you'll be meeting her. Uh, at the time that I first decided she ought to be my wife, she was engaged to another guy. So I had to do a little bit of, uh, of stuff, you know, to work it out. Um, but, you know, you really don't want to be stymied if you, if, you, if you feel you got the right one. You understand that, guys? I mean, if it's the right one, go for it, right? So uh, it was kind of an interesting situation, actually. She was engaged to this guy. Um, 
He was nothing. I mean, you know. Um, and I took her home after church one night and I just started planting deep doubt in her mind about his intelligence, his spirituality, his ability to earn a living, you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And I uh, just kidded her a lot. But the Lord is gracious and uh, she had the same vision for ministry I did and uh, it worked out. <laughs> It was very interesting because uh, she had the invitations to their wedding in the trunk of her car for two weeks and couldn't mail them at that time. And the Lord just stopped that and the Lord brought us together. And I tell you that, too, because it wasn't in her plans and it wasn't in my plans. All my plans said, this is what you're going to do, John McCarthy. This is how you're going to do it. And I learned that I can't say that or the Lord may drag me halfway across the state of Alabama to get my attention. And all of her plans were, this is what you're going to do, and here's how you're going to do that. And the Lord stopped all of that. And so I think between the two of us, there's a sense in which we believe that God has intervened in our lives to bring us to the place he has. And then I was working for Talbot Seminary one day, and I got a call from Grace Community Church. Grace Community Church was a church of about 450 people down in the valley. It was a good, thriving church with gobs of young people and they um, they called me and said our pastor died again they only had two pastors and both of them died of a heart attack and they said would you come and preach I mean I had preached to their young people at camp I had preached at youth rallies and conferences I was nine summers in a row at Hume Lake sometimes as long as two and a half months Dewey, just doing camps which is a great ministry but um, now they needed somebody to come and fill the pulpit. So I went and, and I preached and uh, they said, could you preach the next week? And I preached the next week and um, they said, would you candidate to be the pastor here? Man, I was so excited. So excited. Because I was so tired of traveling around giving the same five messages, you know. Didn't want to be an evangelist with five sermons and five suits. I wanted to get into the Word and teach the Word. And, and so one church down in the Lakewood area had uh, asked me to consider being their pastor, but the vo board voted that I was too young. They were right. <laughs> but uh, Grace had had two older pastors die of a heart attack, and they didn't want to support another widow. So they said, we don't care if he's good. Just make sure he's young. You understand. <laughs> so um, by the grace of God, they, they came back and they gave me a night to candidate. And I had been studying Romans chapter 7. And I'll never forget it. I went there that night and the church was full and you know where the chapel is now was the church. That was all that was there was that and that little nursery building behind it. And I was so excited about Romans 7 that I preached and I really didn't have any notes. I was just sharing my heart and I preached for an hour and 25 minutes. This is the, the time I was candidating for the pastorate. And afterwards, I felt so good because I had preached in such a way that I really understood what I was saying, which is very good, very nice. And I was really working through this myself. And I came down and someone else was leading a song and Patricia said, well, that's that. I said, what do you mean? Do you realize how long you preach? She said, an hour and 25 minutes. I said, I didn't realize that. Well, she said, I'm sure there are other churches. And uh, <laughs> she really thought that was it, that that was the end of Grace Church. They came to me afterwards and they said to me, that's what we want. We will you come back next week? 
And I came back next week and I only preached 45 or 50 minutes, so a little more sanity into it. But as a result of that, and by God's grace, they they asked me to come be the pastor. And that's been it'll be 17 years in February. So 16 and a half years ago. And these have been wonderful years. And so I've learned to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live. We'll do this or that. And if he has to, he'll throw you on the highway. And if he has to, he'll take your wife away from a marriage that's two weeks away. And if he has to alter the plans, he'll even allow a church to tolerate a young man who is low in wisdom, if high in zeal, and preaches too long, if that's his purpose and his will. And I say all that to just give you the sense, and I hope you understand that I say this realizing this is all of God, that I have the sense and feeling in my heart that God has moved me along a certain path, which is not of my own making. One of the things that happened, a man came to me after I'd been at Grace for a few months, and he said, we need to have a tape ministry. We've got to tape these things. And that began to grow. And one thing we've never done is advertise, because I don't want to do it. I want to be sure that if it's done, God did it. So when the opportunity to be a part of the Master's College came earlier in this year. It was not something that I sought. It wasn't something that I pursued, but it was something that the Lord so evidently laid at my feet. And, the, you know, I talked to everybody. I counseled with everybody I could find. My dear friend, uh, Dr. Stead, we go back to high school. He was the quarterback and I was the tailback on our high school football team. We both played on the basketball team. We both played poorly on the baseball team. <laughs> we had a tough team in those years. But it was in his heart, and there were others. And everybody I talked to all had the same response. This looks like it ought to be for you and for the Lord to do. And, and so I want you to know that's why I'm here. It's not because it's something I sought. I read an article this summer. There were all kinds of strange articles written about me and the college. The latest one is called Pilgrimage to MacArthur Land. It's kind of a strange article. But anyway, um, but I read a lot, of, a lot of articles about the ruination of the college since I've come, and a lot of ones on the other side. But um, one article that sort of was interesting to me went on to say that um, John MacArthur, in effect, had pulled off some kind of a revolution and captured the college to fulfill his own wild ambitions. Um, <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. I hope you understand that. I hope you understand that... Uh, that we're here together, not just me, but all the faculty and the staff and all of you are here because the Lord has put us together. I want you to understand that. I mean, I don't believe in anything else but that. And you might say, well, who am I? I'm, I'm just new. I, I don't know much. I'm a new Christian. I'm just you're here because God put you here as a part of something he's doing in his kingdom. And we need to have the sense of what James is saying, that we're not in control of our destiny, are we? I mean, we make some choices, but those choices are made within the provision of God. And the provision of God for now is that you are here. I mean, not just us, but you, you yourself are here by the provision of God. And I mean, you either maximize this thing or you waste it. And I've learned in my life that when the Lord slams you down and gets your attention, it's time to wake up and be alert to what he wants out of your life. I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity for all of us. And all we can do is pray God that we'll maximize it for his glory. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for your hand in our lives. I look way back to being born into a family where I was nurtured in the things that were right and true and good. Look back to your grace in my life, sparing my life once when I fell off a cliff and several times in accidents that could have taken my life. I look back to the training. I look even back a few months to your bringing me here. And I see your hand all along. I see it in my marriage. I see it in my beloved children. I see it in my friends and my co-workers. I see it in my church and I see it in the dear people here. I see your hand in the student body. And Lord God, I just pray that each of us would realize that we're a part of destiny as you have ordained it. We're a part of eternity together. We're a part of the kingdom. And we're here not in isolation just to fulfill our own ambitions or meet our own needs, but we're here together to do the advancing of your kingdom in this place. Some of us are strong and some of us are weak. Some of us are wiser than others. Some of us know more of the word of God. Some of us know very little. Some of us are a long time in the faith and some of us are brand new and some of us may be not yet in the faith. But we're here because you brought us here. And we want that sense of divine appointment that will allow us to grasp this tremendous privilege and use it for your glory. I pray for every person here, every faculty member, staff member, every precious student. Oh, God, my prayer for them is that this year each of us would be more like Christ, molded and shaped together to strengthen one another, to learn from one another, to build on one another, that you might be glorified and that Jesus Christ in being lifted up might draw men to himself. Thank you for what awaits us and thank you for today. A little piece of eternity that we can use for your glory. Help us to make it meaningful and we know you'll make it joyful. For Christ's sake, amen.